welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. My name's Paul Joy and it's my privilege to be the host of this podcast, which has been created to enhance, connect and inspire the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're listening from today, welcome and thanks for tuning in. Today, I have the privilege of sharing with you a conversation that I'm going to have with Mr. Mark Buchanan from the class of 1979. Mark is still involved in our school community as a parent and as a recently crowned president of Yarra Snow Sports. Intend to ask him about his experiences as a student here at Yarra and how some of those have impacted on his journey through life and and even to the point of still using some of those skills that he developed and grew while he was a student here and how they have impacted his world today. Going to ask him in particular about his use or the use of his hands in crafting not only a career and a job and art forms but also crafting some very practical, useful implements that that in fact many of us have actually had the privilege and the pleasure of using. I also intend to ask him a little bit about success and how he interprets success and what he understands that to be. Mark is a yog, a Yarra old grammarian, and part of the intention behind this podcast is to keep uh, connecting with our Yarra old grammarian. So if you're listening to this and you know other yogs, you're in touch with them, then we'd love you to share it with them um, wherever you're listening from, however you're tuning in, whether it be through Spotify or or Apple, uh, iTunes, whether it be through Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, wherever and however you're listening to this. Welcome aboard. Let's get into this conversation with Mr. Mark Buchanan from the class of 1979. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here for another podcast interview. Today, I'm delighted to introduce you to Mark Buchanan. Mark was a student here, finished year 12 as part of the class of 1979. Uh, Married to Kerry and currently parent or father, a parent of Yarra Valley Grammar. Two, Two boys here at school, one in year 11 and one year seven, and recently has been appointed to the prestigious position as president of Yarra Snow Sports. Mark Buchanan, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Paul. Great to be here. Excellent. Uh, we are actually recording uh, here back here at Yarra. We're on site at Yarra Valley Grammar and it's a beautiful morning, a crisp morning. And uh, Mark, tell us a little bit about what life was like for you when you were here uh, all those years ago. I don't know where all those years have actually gone, but I think probably most people say that. But um Oh, Yarra was a special spot then as it is now. Um, much smaller community and a lot less buildings and a lot less infrastructure. But um, some things have never changed, like this morning, you know, beautiful crisp water morning, looking out towards the, the mountains and across the ovals. Um, and the staff were brilliant. That's one of my most memorable things, is that um, all the staff were passionate. Um, the outdoor education program was brilliant. Um, and I met lifelong friends, which I still see to this day. So um, there's some very fond memories there. Um, very, very fond memories. Was there a particular place in the school that holds something, whether it be I don't know, maybe out on the sports field, or maybe even 
beyond the gates of Yarra Valley Grammar, maybe out in a, a mountaintop somewhere or was it in the music school or the queue for the canteen or uh, maybe, dare I say, outside the principal's office? Where did you spend a significant amount of your time while you were here? Mm-hmm. If I took my favourite spot of Yarra Valley, it was Wooten Lodge down at Glen Maggie. Yeah, that okay. was my place of passion and I went back in year eight and year nine, I think, as a group leader or something like that. Yeah. Wooten Lodge was not used so much these days as I imagine but um but on the actual grounds itself uh, it would probably have to be I wasn't the most academic kid necessarily but I used to love going to the art classes and I'd go up to the ceramics room and there was a teacher there that was here forever he's only gone a few years ago Neil Lovelace and get in there and do some sculpting and that was my place where I'd relax and chill a bit away from the academic part of school life. And indeed, look, it's really important. I think we all find our way of uh, expressing ourselves, whether that be for some people it's through speaking, other people it might be through writing, for some people it's um, Mm. representing their school um, through sport, for some people it's creating things with their hands. And you've actually gone on to create things with your hands, part of your career stemming from maybe a passion that you developed here at school for the outdoors you're now involved or you have been involved in building something a construction that's really significant Mm. and uh, a construction that's brought a lot of joy to a lot of people um, nationally certainly and maybe even internationally tell us uh, what that might be that uh, that you've used your hands to create i can that's a really common link it's um the, you know, the, the structures are rock climbing walls, indoor rock climbing facilities. Sometimes they're outdoor rock climbing walls. Sometimes it's been just artificial rock. You know, we did the um, all the rock work for the platypus enclosure at the Hillsville Sanctuary, all that sort of thing. And they're all quite finely sculpted. We might do like cracks or pockets or edges, you know, things that replicate something on a cliff face. And um, that's the direct link to that is those ceramic Ceramic, and I would do. My thing wasn't so much throwing a pot on a wheel, but it was sculpting um, busts. You know, a, a head. I might do an old Englishman with a top hat, or an Indigenous person, or something like that. I still got them hanging on the wall. Um, but that that skill of just um, and patience and sculpting and replicating something was what I did at school, and I have done right up until the last couple of years. So that's fascinating. So I was with I was, a big gap in the middle. With a big gap. Right. In the okay. Yes. So we're going to talk a little bit about that big gap, but I just, I, I love the notion that there were things that you experienced here at school mm-hmm. that are still very much part of your life today. And sculpting and, and working with your hands and creating those things is, is part of what you experienced here and is still part of your life today. Absolutely. Did I hear you say that you've still got some of your artwork that you made while you were here at school? Yeah, I have got two main pieces that I've got. One's on the lounge room wall, the other one's in a cupboard, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> the one on the lounge room wall, can you describe that for us? I can. It's a, um, it's an, a, a bust of an Aboriginal person, and um, it's kind of like the front half of the head, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. And it's mounted on a, a piece of timber with um, quite long pieces of stringy bark on it. So it just sort of sits there and it's looking slightly to one side. And... Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I like it. But yeah. <laughs> other people might not. Uh, Does it become a talking piece? Do, do you get to talk about it when people no, visit your home? No, not really. No. no. Okay. No. But you mentioned also in there that you now uh, build rock climbing walls, mm-hmm. indoor, outdoor. And in fact, um, 
we have some students here, some of our year nines from time to time. We go into the city with a group of year nines and there's an opportunity that they have within their week to um, choose an activity that they get to do in the city. They've got to research it, find out what they want to do. And, and there was a group who went to, I think it's called Hard Rock, um, a rock climbing wall in the city. Do you have anything to do with that particular facility? Yeah, I've had a bit to do with that one. We, um, I actually worked on it for quite a long time. I was first approached about it in um, 1993 and I actually worked in conjunction with the architects to design the space before it was even built. And so it was quite a bottom-up project, really. It was from design of the space, um, overseeing the construction of the space, and then um, designing the physical climbing walls within, within it, and then going from there to actually building it and um, running the staff training program to it finally opening, which was opened by about the end of 1997. So I was sort of on and off for four and a half, five years sort of thing. Yeah, right. So I, I was there just a couple of weeks ago with some Yarra students and they were climbing that wall and, and it's quite a fascinating space in that you're in the city and yep. yet you're and you're climbing a wall and yet you're surrounded by glass and so you can see mm. through that glass at various heights out into across the road to the, the city baths yep. and you're right there in the midst of the city. Down onto the trams. Down, down, look down a little and, you, and onto the trams and, and yet you're, you're climbing this rock wall. It's, mm. it's a fascinating concept that you've, you've not only designed and, and kind of envisaged but you've actually created. Mm. It's marvellous. Yeah. And, uh, and obviously thousands of people, including some of our own Yarra students, have enjoyed your handiwork. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Now you mentioned in there that there was a period of time um, since being at Yarra and using your hands and learning the craft of sculpting mm-hmm. to then designing rock walls, there was a, a gap in the middle. Now, whether that be a 10-year gap or a 20-year gap, yep. what was going on in that time? Um, well, initially, just from Yarra, I had this love of the mountains and love of the natural environment. So my core subjects I loved at school were, you know, I couldn't get enough of geography, earth science, biology, and I could leave maths and physics and those sorts of things, and I struggled away at English. Um, but all I wanted to do was environmental science at Monash Uni. That was, that was kind of it. And so I actually got in there and I made it, and I was pretty wrapped with all of that. And I was only a few months in, and my family bought an outdoor retail business with rock climbing, mountaineering, skiing equipment, all the distractions that I didn't need. Yes. We came into a busy winter and we were understaffed, and I said, look, I'll just defer uni for the year. And unfortunately, it's one of my regrets in life, but I never got back to uni. Uh-huh. So it was a journey of uh, 1980 to 1994 of retail and um, a, a lap period of about five or six years doing high access work off buildings and steeples, um, troubleshooting things for architects or corking a leaking window or all sorts of tasks that related to height that were cranes or scaffolding or anything was way too expensive an option to actually get to it. And then I sort of tripped over rock climbing walls and importing climbing holes and importing rock climbing equipment from America and that lent me going to California and working on building a climbing wall in Portland in Oregon and one thing led to another and I started building climbing walls here. I built the first climbing wall in Australia in 1992 and um, I've done that from then right till now, which is how many years? I don't know, 20 years. <laughs> 23 first rock climbing wall in Australia. You built it. Where is well, it? Um, look, I, I can't actually say I built the first one. There was one built up in a little, we well, call them a woody. They're sort of like a very basic sort of construction out of plywood. There was one in Sydney and there was the first hard rock in Nunawading. 
1992. Um, and I didn't actually start building them until about 93. I did the first wall at the ANU up in Canberra, at the mm-hmm. university there. But the sort of walls I did, without sounding big-headed, changed the way walls were. They went from a very basic geometric sort of thing to quite wacky architecture with render coatings and sculpted surfaces and um, rather than just people climbing on the climbing holes are actually using the physical wall itself. So yes, yeah. made it way more of a three-dimensional type of thing and more spectacular to the eye. Yeah, beautiful. And, mm. and look, excuse my ignorance, but does if you're designing a wall that's going to go in Ringwood, mm-hmm. do you design, does the same wall that you've built in Ringwood also appear in the city, which also is down at St Kilda, which is also up in Dandenong. Like, a, is a wall a wall a wall, or are they all unique? Yeah, that's a great question because that that's what I've worked so hard on. They are all very, very much unique, you know, and you need to look at the target market and what that audience might look like and their level of ability. And that the way you design the shape of the walls and how steep the walls are will reflect the clientele a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So if you, for example, if you make something look really amazing, really overhanging, really steep and no one can climb it, there's What's kind the of no point okay. and people just go there and they come away feeling demoralised because they haven't achieved anything. Mm-hmm. So the key is to have every, I've, whenever I design a facility, it's got the most basic ladder type climb, or I would call it, right. under vertical big holds that anyone can achieve yep. through to the steepest, most overhanging thing that will test people out. Yes. So, and you have to have everything in between to sort of grade yes. the facility, if that makes sense. Who would have thought that there was so much thought and care <laughs> into designing a rock climbing wall? That, that's fascinating. Mm. Mm. So clearly you're about helping people succeed. You want people to experience success. Mm-hmm. What does success look like for you? Mm. Tough one. Um, look, success for me... Certainly isn't a, isn't a financial thing. Um, really, I like people to be happy and enjoy life mm-hmm. and appreciate other people. I don't know if that sounds too deep, but... No, that's good. Um, that's my measure of success. Your connection and reconnection back into Yarra as um, involved in snow sports, mm-hmm. I dare say that that's uh, in a bid to create more and more experiences for young people to get out and be happy. Yep. If they find happiness out in the bush, in the outdoors, in the snow, that's part of what you're trying to continue to create for them. Yep, that's, that's exactly my motivation. There's no ego-y type influences in there at all. I really want to be involved because I want kids to experience what I've experienced. Yeah, You know, the mountains and fresh air and enjoying life. Yeah, great. Mm. And do you still get out there yourself? Yeah, yeah. In a big way. Excellent, excellent. Like my home away from home is actually the New Zealand Alps. That's where I've spent a lot of my life. Yeah, so right. I try to get there once or twice a year if I can make it. Beautiful, beautiful. And I've taken the kids there since they were very little. They started skiing when they were two. Mm. Um, so they're pretty, both pretty competent on snow now. And um, Dan, who's in year 11, is whipping me these days. <laughs> and <laughs> when does that happen? When does that fine tipping point come when your child can be better at something than you. How did you cope with that? <laughs> I coped with it fine. It was a little bit annoying. Yes. Um, I've kept trying to educate myself in different ways over my life. I've never stopped learning or trying something new. That's one of the things I've always tried to do. And in 1985, I went to New Zealand. I thought, I'm going to get my level one and level two 
ski instructor saying, I've got the skills, you know, all that sort of stuff. And in those days, don't try to sound too old, but there's a fair bit of ego in skiing and instructors and it was sort of a bit of a cocky sort of syndrome, you know. So I went in 1985 and I did it and I passed my skiing with flying colours and failed the teaching. So you've got to get both to pass it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I'm not going to let this beat me. So I went back in 1986. I hope this is relevant. <laughs> Keep going, absolutely. <laughs> and I went back in 86 and I did the reverse. I failed the skiing and passed oh. the teaching. Wow. And uh, it was bizarre because this guy had this judgment. He said, if you had a, for your skiing topic, he said, you've got a bunch of fit, healthy, strong rugby players that have never skied before. Give me a lesson. And I started off on the beginner's slope just to get just a few basics before I took them on the lift. He said, way too slow for, you know, you can't do that with a bunch of rugby players. Ah. So I failed. And anyway, so cut the long story short. I got to about like 2009. How many years later was that? 95, 2005. Yeah. 25 years yeah. later. And I thought, I'm not going to let this beat me. This is the New Zealand Snow Sports Instructors Alliance. And I'm going to book it in 2011, go and do this course again. Right. So it's a little bit different nowadays. It's structured over a couple more levels. But I went back in 2011. I passed my level one ski instructor's ticket at 50 years old with all these young bucks around me. And then I went back in... 2012 and did my children's level one and level two certification, hoping it would help at Yarra with stuff one day. And then this year I'm hoping to go back and do my level two, but I don't know if I'm quite fit enough and I don't know if I've got my headspace there. But anyway, congratulations <laughs> for your persistence and mm. dedication. And and I dare say, you know, you, you just mentioned there that part of the vision, part of the drive was in order to then give back, to, to contribute to the experience of more and more kids and helping them to, yeah. to fulfil maybe yeah. their dream of learning to ski one day. Yeah. Uh, that's a beautiful uh, motivation. Mm. That's terrific. Thinking a little bit about the hills, one of my favourite places here at Yarra is um, standing just outside the chapel and mm-hmm. looking to the hills. Same. And, and our, our motto, our school motto, Lavavi Oculus, is... Yep. Um, lift up my eyes and I wonder if I offer that phrase to you that term to you what does that mean to you? It's a pretty big one to me because um, I say to the kids all the time I think I drive them nuts driving to school in the car we'll come around Canterbury Road and we'll look out towards the and look at the cloud on today or look at the light on it today or don't the trees today look like carpet and at Yarra standing in one of my other spots I said about the ceramics room but my other spot was the front steps the main front steps and looking out to the mountains behind Hillsville you know and I used to go and climb those mountains on weekends I had one of my Yarra birthday parties climbing Mount Tanglefoot and another one climbing Mount Juliet and so yeah that probably for me that Lavavi Oculus is a really big thing because that's what I've done I've looked to the hills and I love the mountains and um, my whole passion for the outdoors came from this place mm, that's beautiful yeah. that's great um, it is a significant place, and and I, I do I enjoy that view, and and I like to think that our forefathers, more than fifty years ago now, mm. stood somewhere around about those front steps and, and looked to the hills and, and thought, what a great place for a what school. a great place for a school, <laughs> and and isn't it just isn't yeah. it just a great place for a school? And just the acreage that it's on, and the fact that it's got that natural bush and a little diversion. The other thing I started up when I was at Yarra, just very quickly thinking of the bush and the mountains, is um. I started up the Environment Club. We had this little thing called the Environment Club and we'd document species down in the bush. And if you remember before the fires, I don't know how long you've both been here, but it was funny. I came up with, then starting year seven, 
and Mr. Mary had the year seven parents in the library and just the other side before the science thing burnt down was a little green space. And me and Andy Griffiths, the author, planted that space on our school holidays. And I went, hadn't been to Yarra for 25, 30 years or whatever. And Mr. Mary was standing behind it was these two tree ferns that were like eight feet high. And I thought, wow. Yeah. Look how they've grown. <laughs> Look at how they've grown. And here I am with a kid. <laughs> and wow. I thought how things have changed. And the darn thing got trashed when the science building burnt down. And it did. We, um, we certainly, we, I mean, we lost a lot when uh, through those fires. Um, and I guess part of a school community is that you have to um, take that knock back, but then rebuild bigger and stronger and, mm. and create something new from that space. And, and now that same space where those science buildings were and that little patch of greenery is such a central gathering point for so many of our students mm. every day they're, they're out there they're moving about they're using that space yeah. differently to the way it once was used but it's very much a, a really critical part of our school now mm. where, where young people come and gather and uh, it's a really it's a equally a significant place today yeah, it, as it, maybe it was then that's right yeah. yeah it's still funny coming back to school it's sort of for me it's sort of a bit of hallowed turf sort of thing yeah, yeah. it's a special place i don't just come in drive through and say oh, i'm dropping the kids off it's like there's a, a bigger thing. It is, it is. I can't it, quite put it into words. It means more. It means more. It's not just a school. It's not just a school. And, and, and um, I, look, I think you're right. I think schools, a school like Yarra Valley, is, it's much more than a place of learning. Yeah. And so if we were to, to try and cast, what is your bigger picture view of Yarra Valley Grammar? What else does it offer and how does it do that? Look... I'm having trouble with that one, but um, <clears throat> I know some kids are here from early learning right through to year 12, but a lot of other kids come here just for the year 7, year 12, 6-year stint. But for me it embodies, you know, your core friendship group, you know, great teachers, um, new experiences. It's your developing years when you go through puberty and become a young adult, a young man or woman. Um, and I think what... I would say to anyone who goes to Yarra is get into whatever you can get into. If you have trouble with some things, don't worry about it. If you've got skills or skill sets that we really get a lot out of school life, pursue that and use Yarra as your, what's the thing? Your launching pad. Your launching pad is yeah. the word I'm looking for. Yeah, okay. And that's what I've done with it. That's exactly what I've done with it. Sure, sure. Yeah. So there's, in, and you've, already shared stories there's experiences that you had at Yarra opportunities that you had at Yarra yep. that are still very much a part of your life today yep um, 100% and your guidance to parents as they seek to counsel and parent their own children mm -hmm. and to young people who might be listening as well is to give it a go get yep. out there and have a go have a go yeah yep. enjoy life and even initiate new things as you did too I'm curious about that because it sounds like um, throughout your life you've found an opportunity or an opportunity has presented itself and you've just said yes. Yep. You're Sometimes also... very risky, but yes. Okay. And, yep. and, and you're right. Sometimes we've got to be courageous in those mm. things and see the opportunity and just take that first step. Yeah. Um, are there any habits or tools or apps that are part of your life today that I guess help you keep looking forward and help you keep having the courage to take another step forward. Mm. 
I'm struggling on that one, I'm afraid. That's okay. Yeah. I'm struggling on that one. I think maybe my years at Yarra and the outdoor experience that I got out of it and maybe the and my home life and that sort of thing, um, never been one to give up. Mm-hmm. Always give things a bit of a crack. Yeah, yeah. Prepared to get hurt. Uh-huh. But, you know, always come back with a smile on my face and move on again. Yeah. So it's not a failure if, if you fall over, you trip over, it's not a failure. If, no. if a business doesn't work, it's not a failure. It's a learning experience. Yeah, yeah. And you apply that to the next challenge. Yeah, and then I think along the way is also just, um, you know, the big thing is just respecting other people and... Um, Enjoying people's strengths and weaknesses and not being hard on them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because more and more as I talk to different people um, here on this podcast and, and even in my role here at, here at school, um, discover more and more. Everybody's got their own story. Everybody's got stuff that they're carrying or that they're dealing mm. with. And, but we get on with it anyway, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. What do you, if we look forward again, um, mm. what do you see as some of the big challenges for young people in the years ahead you've got um a son in year seven and a son in year 11 and and you know particularly um your son in year 11 is you know is entering into those those key parts of um you know heading towards year 12 and and vce is a big part of what um life is for lots of people in this particular period of their life but what's next in terms of what are the challenges that you see for young people in the future i sort of worry a bit for young people in the future um Maybe every parent does as every generation goes through. I'm not really sure, but um, compared to when I, say, so if I went back to when I finished at Yarra, um, I probably wasn't so worried about um, global stability, possibly. Um, climate change wasn't even a word. Um, drugs like ice and that didn't exist. I suppose heroin existed, but I think the percentage of the population that took it was pretty small. So I suppose it's that whole world of um, global stability, climate change, um, drugs, that sort of thing, cost of housing, which is in the media a lot at the moment. They're all sort of little worries I have in the back of my mind. I'm not worried about the kids necessarily falling into drugs or something like that, but just through Yarrow and my whole thing is, you know, I haven't been hard on the kids with what direction they should go. I was really disappointed when Dan didn't even show an interest in outdoor education. But he's been right into snow sports and he excels academically in certain areas. And um, I just want them to follow their path that makes them happy and they enjoy life. And yeah. Have I answered the question? Yeah, Probably absolutely. Not. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and you raise some, there's some big issues there. Lots of big some, issues there. There are some big challenges for sure. Um, so we would have gone over what, what climate, health. Yeah, yeah. Home ownership. Absolutely. And and I think the reality, and, and you mentioned that there are things that we didn't had never even heard of 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah. And that, I think that's the reality is that we don't know the journey through or the pathway through these current challenges. No. But I think as a, as a community, as a society, we will find a way, um, as we always have. Yeah. And so I find hope in the notion that, yeah, there's some clever people going around and uh, together I reckon we will find a path through the storm, storms that are ahead or the, you know, the thick bushes that we've got to push our way through. Um, a little bit of off-track navigation. Yeah. There, there might, might not be a clear path through, but I reckon we'll pick our path through it. You've got to maintain that positive outlook. Um, just in the media yesterday, you've probably heard, but, you know, 
President Trump was saying how he's doing a presidential order to repeal some of the um, legislation that Obama had put in in relation to um, greenhouse emissions and those sorts of issues. And I think, really? Do we really have to be having these discussions in 2017? Can't we put that behind and try and be a bit active and protective about our planet? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think our leaders... Didn't and want to get political, but... Some of our world leaders have got a, you know, they've got a lot to answer for at the moment. I think we're, <sighs> we're, we're battling for good, strong leadership at the moment. Yeah, um, we are. Worldwide. I think, uh, you know, we, we need some real leaders to step up mm. um, with courage. Yeah. What's the best advice you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received? I think my father was very... Um, Big on, you know, living your dream. Go and live your dream. Mm. And I wonder whether I might close uh, our time together with reading something that, in fact, um, you shared at your father's funeral. Uh, these are your words, and it says, I am forever grateful for my education at Yarra Valley. Mum and Dad both worked hard to give me that opportunity. I met lifelong friends at Yarra and those years shaped my love of mountains and the natural environment. Dad and I climbed Mount Feathertop together from the valley floor to the summit, Victoria's second highest peak. Dad loved the majestic views and solitude. So much so, we repeated the trip to show mum. What a legacy that your dad has left mm. in you and for you. Yep. And I appreciate and I'm grateful for the legacy that you're leaving, not only for your children, but for hundreds and in time thousands of other young people who will continue to work through here at Yarra and be part of snow sports, climb on one of your climbing walls yeah, one day and, uh, and benefit from a love of the great outdoors that you're sharing and imparting with other young people and those um, of your own vintage. So thank you for being with us. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for the impact that you're making thank in you, our Rosie. community. And uh, we look forward to uh, continuing the journey in the years ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And I hope you found it interesting as Mark and I continued to explore things around success and what that looks like. And his memory of various places within our school and how they've been used, reused, and then some of those uses have changed over the years. Clearly in his voice and in his stories you could hear a passion for Yarra which is still very very strong today. I thought his answer around the bigger picture of Yarra and the value of a school like this and how that impacts on people was fascinating and I enjoyed his encouragement for current students and family members to make the most of the opportunities presented here. We've got a growing library of podcast interviews that you're very welcome and in fact encouraged to go back to. If you're just picking this up for the first time and you've enjoyed what you've heard here, then please go back via yvg.vic.edu.au under the Our Community section right down the bottom of that menu is the podcast link. And there's a library of terrific interviews, episodes that we've released from Yarra Old Grammarians through the generations. I hope you'll join us next episode when we sit down with another Yog to see how they too have been inspired by Yarra. My name's Paul Joy and on behalf of everybody here who helps 
put this podcast together. And on behalf of everybody here at Yarra, I want to wish you another day of inspiration where you get out there with intentionality to make a positive impact in the world around you. you.